Welcome back to Soulback. This is the R&B Podcast. Kyle here, back with Tom and Ed. What is going on, guys? Well, I should be asking you play us that because usually I'm the one that's getting all in trouble on social media. But the tables turn this week. Good thing we didn't record this podcast yesterday. I mean, man, me and Kyle were on fire. People were coming well, at maybe us. Well, we, maybe we should have because I'm going to bring a little gasoline to that fire. But we'll get to that later on. Really? I've actually calmed <laughs> down a bit. I'm good now, actually. So yesterday I was fired up, though. Oh, you need to be more like me. Keep the bitter in your heart. That way you can explode at any moment. <laughs> well, guys, it's been a great week for R&B once again. And, um, you know, to calm myself down from all the Twitter madness that was going on, I was watching some YouTube videos, came across an interview with Cadillac Ta. Do you remember him from Murder, Inc.? Oh, my God. Only you would remember him. I guarantee you there may be three people on this listening out there to this podcast who remembers that guy. I just well, wonder what you're searching for and your and your query that Cadillac Ta interview will come up. It's kind of scary to think about. Listen, it, that's what I'm saying. Are you searching for, like, Irv Gotti weed handlers, and then that's the name that comes up? <laughs> oh, well, calm down. Listen. I was really trying to, honestly, and, and we'll get into this shortly, but uh, I was searching up Def Jam albums that were supposed to come out, and trust me, we're going to segue into something here, but one interesting part of the interview, I'm not finished yet, I had to, I had to pause it so I could talk to you fools, but um, <laughs> he was supposed to drop his debut album, and um, the label was like, if we drop it now, it'll probably only go gold, and Cadillac said... Nope, I'm a platinum selling out uh, artist. Let's just wait. Is that a good move? <laughs> Do you think it was a good move? Good lord. I'm a platinum selling artist. <laughs> Can somebody name one song that this guy had? I, mean, I can't name one. Then, and I know this going platinum. So it was like an insult to go yeah. gold back then, if you remember. It yeah. was. No, and that's why he made that point. Because going gold was almost like failure. Can you imagine somebody saying that in 2020? Good Lord, going gold? You're doing cartwheels in the street. <laughs> exactly. But uh, on to more serious matters. The reason why I searched up Def Jam albums that were supposed to come out. So I was on my YouTube thing, and shout out to that one uh, person on Twitter who asked us if we had checked out that segment that BET puts together. It's like kind of like a where are they now type of thing. And recently... They did a whole interview with Case. And Case yes. is our boy, so shout outs to Case. And he made a point during his Open Conversation album, he had dropped uh, Missing You as his first single. And I think his second single, Tom, was uh, Not Your Friend. Is that what the song was called? Yep, yep. I remember that exactly. So they didn't really push that single, even though it was getting some positive responses at radio. And the reason for that, Kay said, was because the label had spent so much money on another artist and their single, and it wasn't doing too well. So the label made a compromise and said, hey, stop playing that Case record. you got to play this one. You can put everything, everything else on pause, but we spent too much money on this song. So I tried looking up uh, what song or album it could have been. This is around 2001, 2002. Can you guys think of some? Of a so this would have been a single from a Def Jam artist, R and B artist. While you're thinking about it, Ed, I'll say one thing about that song. Okay. I never, I like not your friend. I didn't think it was a strong single, and we love Case. But then again, I'm not really sure. And I love this album, actually. Believe it or not, it plays straight through. I don't even know if there was another strong choice for a single though. Like there's some great songs, but I don't know if there was a radio hit. Aside from that on here. That's just my two cents there. Well, guys, um, Conversate was actually supposed to be the third single, but Def Jam really? decided that uh, they had spent too much money, and then they just decided to scrap the whole thing. So Case never got a third single because of the politics uh, behind the Not Your Friend single and this anonymous artist that we don't actually know, but... We're going to try to figure this out. So, 2001, Wait, 2002. 2002, I think. It's got to be 2001. 
I my good. I know tells who it was. Me, I know who it was. Well, you say it before I say it. It had to be so our here, boy. So it had to be my boy, Music Soul Child. No, really? No, you don't think I, so? I I think it's it smells like Cisco to me. Yeah, I think it smells like Cisco's second album. That second album did not pop, and I'm but sure what that was they even pushed from the second huge. album. I don't remember a the, single um, even doing anything. Well, that's the thing. Like, I'm the single. I'm blanking on the. I can see the video. And I'm blanking on the name of the song. But that song did nothing, and I'm sure the label thought, "Okay, we got a hit with this one," and they just pumped all these resources in it. You got to remember how huge Cisco was in 2000. So for his second album to do absolutely nothing. I don't know if it did absolutely nothing, but it did not measure up to what was expected. I could see them putting a lot of resources into it, expecting it to be yet another mega hit, and it didn't come. Hmm. Um, the timeline right. does add up, I guess. It, it was Tom, May. Single, can, can I Live came out in May 2001. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the Can I Live, that's the song. It's Can I Live, that's what it was. Smells like Cisco to me. That's what I'm saying. But the thing is that I used to listen to radio, radio religiously back then, and I don't even remember these songs getting play at all. These Cisco songs. So it was almost like this, the album, off the strength of his name, you know, did really well initially, but then just faded because everyone realized it wasn't very good. I don't remember Can I Live even making an impact. I remember Can I Live video being played a lot. I remember hearing the song. This is around that weird era where I like was moving from Virginia to Louisville, so my kind of perception of radio is a little skewed. I only remember hearing it on the radio maybe a couple times, but they definitely pushed it the video. Hmm. So I don't hmm. know. I think that that could be the one that they were trying to get behind, and it's and I like Can I Live, but it is no thong song. It ain't a hit. <laughs> Teddy Riley produced it too. So there's that. That's money yes. putting, being put into that song. So they had to push oh. it. Well, here's here's a story about that. Um, because he recorded that song in Virginia. And this was, again, like a couple months before I moved away. Michael Jackson was also secretly in town working on his Invincible album. And word got out. So the the news crews were like running all around Virginia trying to find Michael Jackson. And I remember them interviewing, I believe it was Cisco now that I think about it. They interviewed, it was either Cisco or Teddy Riley, like standing outside of the studio. And they were kind of like, have you seen Michael Jackson? And, you know, of course they're playing at court. Like, no, man, I haven't seen him. I'm a huge fan, blah, 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 blah. It was clear that MJ was around somewhere. But I will never forget that. Michael Jackson spotted in Virginia and everybody going nuts. Why the heck would Michael Jackson go to Virginia to record? Jeez. Because he was going to hang with Teddy Riley to get some hits. Do you think he's going to go Riley. up there and get some hits from... That, what? Listen, you think he's going to go to New York and see your Phillies most wanted guys for his feature? Teddy Riley MJ knows is, what from, he's doing. is from Harlem, man. He needs to come on home. Teddy Riley is VA born and brick. Keep him there. He knows what's up. He's Ugh. ours. He's born in VA? Hold on. Can we confirm this? No, I don't know if he's born in VA, but he's a VA. He lives in VA. Where did Guy come out from? Definitely New York. Yeah, they're New York guys, but Teddy resides in VA. Oh, man. I have seen Teddy in the mall. Actually, Ed, you are correct, because Teddy did build a studio in VA, and that's how he discovered the Neptunes. So your facts are correct. Hold on. Teddy and they Riley were, was and raised they were, in the St. Nicholas houses in Harlem. There you go. Boom. Okay, he was raised in Harlem, but he made his money in VA. You keep proving your point is messed up. Again, the news crews were at Teddy Riley's studio looking for Michael Jackson. I will never forget this. As usual, mm. Tom is too busy chewing on his chicken to pay attention to what I'm saying. Wow. No, I'm not arguing with you, Ed. I'm saying that he's from New York originally. I can't see why he would have wanted to go to VA and then drag Michael down there with him. That's wow. strange. <laughs> because that's where the hits are made. Oh, by the beach down there? Whatever. Exactly by the beach. <laughs> mm. Moving on. As 
as they say, Tom, there's something in the waters. Um, oh, there is man. something in the water. It's just so, weird fish Ed, with three eyes in Tom's water. Ed, can we take a second here to acknowledge the fact that even throughout this whole case conversation, our boy Tom still managed to put Music Soul Child in the conversation? <laughs> well, I noticed that, that timeline too. We just... did fit as well. I mean, if you if you really look at it. So, it, I mean, who knows? Maybe they didn't think that album was doing good either. But the Cisco one makes more sense. No, I think that at the time, because Music was a debuting artist, and he, I think, no, nah, I think Music was fine. I think if they were sinking a bunch of resources in it, it was someone they really thought was going to be like Beyonce level, for lack of a better word. Music did very well, and he was on his way up, but I don't see them going crazy busting the budget on Music's debut. Well, we know it definitely wasn't for Player's second album. They didn't spend anything on that. Oh, good lord, no. That's a whole (laughs) other conversation. (laughs) See, the... The only other person I can think is Montel Jordan, but that album came out in 2002, and that got no promo, so it's probably not that one. Hmm. No, it's def- that, was, that was later. I remember that one. So, there you go, guys. But, guys, Smells a lot to talk like about Cisco. in R&B. <laughs> Shout out to Cisco. By the way, Drew Hill's Unsung episode is coming in February. Ed, how excited are you for that one? I'm always hyped for Unsung's, my favorite show, so I can't wait to check it out. And this year's lineup, they actually have some unsung artists. The past few years, they were stretching that term of unsung, but it looks like they got a good lineup this year. And they're starting out with the Drew, so I'm down. Can you uh, can you guys imagine if they bring every previous member back and, and put them in the same room? I'm not sure that fights won't break out of that. That might be dangerous. I would like to see that, but, I mean, I don't know. They had the Jets where, shout out to the Jets. They should have been much bigger than they were. And they weren't in the same room. But, boy, they were talking crap about each other in separate rooms. So, I don't know what's going to go on with this Drew, quote, unquote, reunion. I don't know how they're going to handle this. But that's what makes Unsung fun. Do you guys not remember when Lloyd had his unsung episode and Irv Gotti said that he wished Lloyd got hit by a bus? I'm pretty sure we'll see every member of Drew Hill here. Oh, boy. Well, we can only hope. First of all, you bust on Tom for bringing up music. And this is the second mention of one of Irv Gotti and or his minions (laughs) in this podcast. And we're only 10 minutes in. Listen, he started this podcast with Murder Inc. I think we should just scrap this whole podcast right now and start over. Oh, I agree. I think we need a do-over. <laughs> <laughs> now, if guys, if Scola shows up on this Unsung episode, I will retire from this podcast. <laughs> He'll be there. He might. He might. Listen. He'll definitely be just, mentioned. Just put a wrestling ring in the middle and have it be like Royal Rumble. I think that would be more fun. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'd be down. Nobody's throwing jazz out. Oh, oh, stop. Jeez, guys. <laughs> All right, on to more serious matters here. K. Michelle and Kevin Ross both have albums coming out next week, so we look forward to talking about those albums. But some new music that came out over the past two weeks. Uh, first and foremost, her and Missy Elliott are apparently coming together for a collaboration. Ed, that sounds like a pretty cool collaboration. It could be pretty cool. The thing that makes me a little nervous, though, is and I saw the promo picture. They're both holding up cans of Pepsi. So I'm worried <laughs> that this that. is some kind of... What? Is this some is kind that? of, like, Super Bowl promotion deal? Like, this going to be a... Whenever I see stuff like this, it ends up being, like, a Super Bowl song. And those things never end up as good as what's advertised. So if this is just a straight-up track between the two, I'm here for it. If it's some Super Bowl weird thing... I don't know. Uh, ready for well, my analysis of the situation? Well, Tom. Oh, we Lord. I know where this is going. So, over the past couple of weeks, months now, I guess, we had Brandy months. with Daniel Caesar, Usher with Ella May, Alicia Keys with Miguel, and now we have her with Missy Elliott. I love the fact that these generations are working with one another that's unity right there tom what's your take on it my take on this is as follows 
Was Gina Thompson not available for a duet? I mean, why does she have to go? Oh my, Gina Thompson. Gina Thompson? Good God. Was Little Mo not available? I mean, come on. Well, I guarantee you Mo was available. (laughs) I'm just saying, guys. I've started to witness some of the backlash coming from that Usher song that we love, and now people are saying that, like I said in the beginning, LMA added nothing to the song. So, I mean, her, obviously, we like a lot better than LMA as far as talent goes, but still, really, you know, was SWV not available for the song? I mean, anyone that came out with Missy, I would have loved to hear a duet with. I mean, really, let's t- let's call it what it is. Like these artists need help; they're falling off, and they want to remain commercially relevant. And they're doing the most desperate thing they can do, finding someone who's hot at the moment. No one was knocking on her door to collaborate with her when she was still the same talented artist she was before she made it big. So come on, let's be real here. <sighs> and- I feel like we have this conversation every other week. Let me dial it back, player, and say what I have said a thousand times on this podcast. I do not care that, you, according to your logic, Missy Elliott must only make songs with AZ and Cormega and Foxy <laughs> Brown and The Firm. That'd be hot, player, man. That'd be dope. I mean, it would be, but we're not talking about that right now. <laughs> we are talking about artists. It's okay to, I mean, it's a strategy. It's a marketing strategy. You hook up with who's hot in the streets, and who's hot in the streets is usually a younger artist. I ain't mad. I'm not mad at two creative forces coming together because, as I've said a million times on this podcast, I need her to put something different in the little in the stew pot and in her ingredients because she's getting real monotonous right now. Missy can do that. Maybe they can bring the best out of each other. I'm okay with two generations coming together. As long as they don't sacrifice themselves. If the generation they're coming together with is trapping and sounding stupid. If it's your boy Tank hanging out with one of the YBN guys and he's up here trapping and sounding dumb. Okay, that's trash. But if two artists are coming together to make a sound that's authentic to their roots, it's all good. That is my point. I mean, rebuttal time, Kyle? Is that okay? Well, let me ask you, Tom, let me ask you, because you clearly have a problem with new and young artists working together. What if the only contribution her had on this song was like how Babyface contributed on Ty Dolla's song, where he just like was playing his guitar in the back? Would that be acceptable? He better, Babyface better have gotten like 500,000 or more for that collaboration. I'm still mad at him for doing that. But (laughs) no, it's not acceptable. First of all, Missy Elliott's fan base would love to hear her do a duet with someone like a genuine. Am I wrong? You know the excitement that would happen if that, if that happened right now, produced by Timbaland? Oh, my goodness. Play, we that did happened get in 2001, like 100 but times. I, I want something different. I'm saying a and we got that day, in 2009, like, too. Tom, we got oh, that in God, 2009. That Don't you remember the song Get Involved? I'm saying no, a modern-day collaboration. This is her generation. This is her fan base. This is what they want to hear. So why not? You know, why instead of holding on to relevancy, Missy's already a legend. She doesn't need to stoop to these tricks. I'm mad at it. Wow. <sighs> wow. Well, Ed, let me ask you this. Since we're on the topic of Missy, the reception for her last EP, it kind of just came and went. What happened there? It, there wasn't really much behind it. I mean, as I loved the, I know the EP kind of got mixed reviews, and there's a lot of reasons for that. There were expectations that were too high because people were expecting, like, a classic album. There were some people who, honestly, and I talked to them, this was the first time they've ever heard a Missy Project. And it kind of, well, I want to go off on the sidetrack on the whole Aaliyah thing, but it just goes back to my original point that I've made that, Younger fans don't go back and listen to older artists, like the, even when the music available. There's no reason why someone in 2019 can say, I've never heard a Missy song until now, unless you intentionally just didn't do it. So they heard something and was like, this is okay. This isn't the classic that I heard. So I think the expectations were too high, but for music, for what it was, I liked several of the songs. It just wasn't to the classic level that <clears throat> the hype had put it as. And she's rolled out. I think she has a video now for every single song. And the videos are fun. But just a little harder to break in 
when it's 2019, 2020 for these these um legacy artists, these legends, because you can't keep doing the same old tricks and expect it to work like it's 1997. Can I um can I share an observation for, with you guys? Just give me your opinion on this. Maybe I'm crazy, but mm-hmm. in recent well, years, yeah, I crazy. feel like Missy. Well, uh, Ed, settle down over there. I feel like <laughs> Missy is more is being more glammed up than I've ever seen her in recent years. Every promo shot and appearance, I've seen her in more makeup, more dialed up. I've, I don't remember Missy being like that in, in years past. Am I just am I missing the point on that, or is that something that's really happening? Mm, I don't know. I mean, I think what you're seeing is more kind of the trend because Missy. Missy wore makeup back in the day. It's just a lot of the times her stuff was more subtle. But now yeah. because of the, I mean, just kind of the era that we're in with the freaking gigantic eyelashes, the like tarantulas on people's eyelids and this weird fingernail stuff. I think she's just kind of going with <clears throat> this style of the moment, which is very over the top. But I get what you're saying. Okay. She wasn't as made up as she was then, yes. but I think she just rolling with current styles. Fair enough. Plus, she also lost a lot of weight, so she's allowed to look pretty. We're okay with uh, Missy no. I'm not saying she doesn't. She, I'm not saying she's not to look pretty, but like Missy, like we said, is a legend, one of the best artists we've ever heard. I don't think she needs to conform to anything. That's my point. Like, I just wish she would continue being a groundbreaking artist, like she's always been. Yeah, Tom, let's face it. You just, want... Tom, you just want Missy Elliott to still be wearing a Mega Man suit around, <laughs> or a garbage bag. Yeah. I mean, I could. I wouldn't mind. See? That's the dope Missy we love. Yeah, that uh, is. But it's also 1997. So you can't uh, keep yeah. that forever. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, all this Missy conversation just reminded me of that great song she had with Tweet and Ja Rule X. Remember that song, guys? <laughs> Why do we have to keep going back to Ja Rule? Yes, I remember uh, that song. What is this point? I'm sorry. <laughs> my bad uh let's move on to another topic here uh janae eichel she has a new record out that tom oh, we can't recite we can't even pronounce boy, it on, week. Uh, on air i um, had quite the week because i saw there were quite a few people all in their feelings about this on social media we decided not to um, post a song because we're tired <laughs> of supporting songs like this just gimmicky crap and then some people got upset saying we're, we were being biased against female artists mind you we've posted every single Janae Eco song no matter how good or bad it was in the past and this just happened to be the latest crappy song to come out from any R- R&B artist that we heard and we're like we have enough. we've had enough so I don't know where that that person was way off base they must not have followed us for well, very long but that was crazy no, what happens is, and boy, I'm going to get into this later on. It's just this woke culture on social media where we see something that we don't understand and then we immediately start throwing around words like, oh, you're like limiting the voice of women and you're attacking this and you're marginalizing this and that. All these words that y'all learned three months ago because of hashtags. I have been working with, you know, I got soul since what, 2013 when that Charlie Wilson come out, album come out. 2013 or so. Going on a decade. Man, I've been putting up with y'all for a decade. Anyway, <laughs> I've been with this crew for a very long time. I cannot ever remember a song where they were kind of like, eh, you know what? We ain't going to do it this time. And that, and they did it not because it was a female artist. They did it because they didn't want to rock with the song. Guess what? It's their site. They can post what they want. Same thing with Soul and Stereo. There's lots of stuff I don't post. Because I'm not in the mood. That's why I don't review, review all these albums from these weird old children that like Lil Xan and all these druggies. Because I'm not in the mood. They have proprietary ownership of the site. They don't want to post it. They don't want to post it. It has nothing to do with attacking women. Chill out. And Kyle, just being honest, we've posted a lot of music in the past. Just because it was sent from a major label. Just because we wanted to stay in the ma- major label's good graces. Isn't that true? Yeah. I mean, that's part of the game, right? You post something <laughs> as a favor to get something else. We, we've all played that game. But, Tom, with this record right here, because I actually listened to it, uh, first and foremost, we do got to give Janae 
a little bit of a shout out because the video she's doing the Aaliyah one in a million choreography, so that's pretty cool. Um, and the song honestly sounds like a Mila J record more than a Janae song, so I'll say that. But yeah, Tom, <laughs> what about doing means. favors for the labels? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the song but, uh, isn't yeah. bad, but it's, yeah. I mean, if you, if, look, it's your prerogative. If you don't want to post it, you don't have to post it. And there's not like the world is missing out on the biggest record of 2020. This song will be forgotten in a week. So it's, I don't understand the fervor over this. People want to be mad about something to have a cause to go up against. MLK <clears throat> Day was last week. I'm sorry you missed your, your window. <laughs> I'm just tired <laughs> of the forced the forced over-the-top raunchiness like can we just get back to classy r&b music mm, i wish so here so here's <laughs> the thing guys because i was actually about to talk about this next kiana lade another new r&b singer she dropped a record it's like two minutes long it samples outcast so fresh and so clean and it made me realize that song ed came out in what 2001 that was 2000 actually so oh. that song is 20 years old. So we keep begging yes. for songs from the 90s, but the 90s was like 25 years ago, guys. We're not going back to 25 not- years ago. No, absolutely not. I mean, it would be like people in the 90s screaming for the 60s. Like, that's how old we are. So this is how, this is where we are. And yes, the, t- the 2000s were 20 years ago. I am a grandpa. Mm <laughs> hmm. But here's the point, though. You can evolve, right, production-wise and, and music-wise, without sacrificing some of the qualities we love from the 90s. Like, you could still make love music and more of a traditional sound with just progressive music or, or you know, that type, or song structure or anything. It doesn't need to go totally raunchy or gross to be, like, more modern. I just don't understand that. Well, well, let me put it into context, because I can see the tweets coming, and I can see people in the mentions get ready to light us up and be like, but what about Janet? What about Adina Howard? They were raunchy. Yes, they were raunchy, but that's you're missing the point. The, and I talk about this a little bit in my K. Michelle review. You can check that out on Soul and Stereo later this week, this Friday. But the difference between it isn't so much that, oh, it's raunchiness. It's the way it's written. Because there was suggestive lyrics going back to the 70s and 60s. There are songs that your mama and them used to rock that were actually really nasty. But you couldn't really tell because they were written in such a creative and poetic way. Even in the 90s when Adina was talking her stuff or Janet was talking her stuff. It was still a little bit of artistry in that there was some creativity put in. There was something put into it that was not just blatant. But what we're kind of talking about right now is there's absolutely no artistry. It is, as I've said before, the equivalent of like a DM that you would send some girl that you're thirsting after. Like there's no, you just saying what you want. Girl, give me them draws. Like it's just that. Like it's just nothing. There's no artistry in it. And because there's a lack of artistry, it feels less and less like an actual song and more like a statement or a command. That's what's missing in the music from the 90s going up to the 2020s. Good point. And there you have it. So, shout out to Kiana Lede. I know a lot of people have been loving this song. I don't really think it's all that special. Honestly, I'm just annoyed by the fact that it's two minutes long. But that's a conversation <laughs> for another day, guys. Um, I have you, you a know what, conversation. Real that's, quick, Kyle. Re- real yep. quick, you know um, that the Khalid uh, Khalid song. Uh, can we talk or whatever? Yep. So I heard that on the radio. That that's a short song too. There was a point where it would be a perfect spot for the bridge. The song just pretty much ended right there. I thought of you, Kyle, when I heard that. <laughs> oh, thank you. One day, guys. It's not the same. <laughs> One day we'll have bridges again. So Maybe. I know we're tired of talking about. I know we're tired of talking about murdering. So I'm gonna put a pause to that. But we're going to talk about my second favorite thing that we like to talk about on this podcast, guys. Usher. Oh, oh yes. Okay. Yes. So I have, I have been a for question. This I have a question. 
So remember that single he dropped like a month ago with LMA, Don't Waste My Time, which was like number two on our year-end countdown? <laughs> yep. That song that got great reviews from core Usher fans, R&B fans in general, everyone seemed to love this record. And my question mm-hmm. is, what is going on with the single? The, the single is like number 23 on the Urban AC and it's stalling. I think it's like number 38 on Urban. Usher has, hasn't done anything with the single aside from one post that said, new single with LMA, click here to listen. So oh. I'm going to give you a bunch of different scenarios here. And you guys tell me what the situation is. Because guys, I went on record to say that this album, Confessions 2, would be the ultimate Usher comeback. The greatest comeback since the Emancipation of Mimi. And I'm sticking to that, but I'm a little worried. So... I'm going to give you a couple of scenarios. I'm going to lay them out. You tell me your thoughts and what you think is going on. Number one, mm-hmm. the promo is still coming. He's just ramping it up. Number two, the label doesn't believe in the record. Number three, Usher doesn't believe in the record. Number four, the people don't care about the record. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Ed, do you want to go first or do you want to let me go? Uh, I'll go first. I feel like the truth, as always, is in the middle. And I think it's a combination of one, two, and four. This is what it's looking Mm. like. Number one, there hasn't been, and I was going to talk to you guys about this off air, because it crossed my mind when it came up on, I was listening to something the other day, and this song popped up. And I was like, oh yeah, this song, what the heck? We're not doing anything with this song. And I meant to ask you guys about it, and I forgot about it. And then all this stuff blew up later in the week. But there seems to be this isn't a priority. And I know Tom, I mean, I know Kyle is just thinking that this album is going to reshape the world. But clearly, this project does not seem to be front of mind. Could they be ramping up promo? Sure. But I've seen more promo come a lot faster. It's not like this just came out. This thing has been around for months. And I ain't seen much of nothing. So I don't know what the game plan is. I don't know what the holdup is. I don't know if there's going to be a commitment toward the song. That's why it's stalling. I don't. And when we talk about is Usher committed to the song? Does Usher even know? We talk about this all the time. Do artists even know how to push music in this climate anymore? Mm. I don't know if Usher does. Because we're talking about artists who, again, Cut their teeth in the 90s and early 2000s. 2020 is a completely different game. You got a Summer Walker who can barely stay awake on stage, but that woman knows how to get her songs in front of the right people. So, not about talent. It's about knowing which buttons to push. Does Usher know how to do that? I don't know. Do they believe that this album is going to be something? I kind of want to hope they do, but I'm just not seeing the commitment there. Oh no! Looking rough for you, Kyle. <laughs> I'll share my opinion, Tom? but then Kyle, I want to hear your opinion as well because I know you're pretty passionate about Usher. But it's just strange. I mean, if you look at his Twitter, right? I was just examining to see what was going. Like you said, he mentioned the song once, and you could tell he doesn't run his own Twitter. You could tell it's some team who does it. Like he was, there was more tweets about the song he had with Summer Summer Walker than his own song. So Not it's like point. as a fan. It makes me think, does he not like this song? Is he not excited about it? Like, did they tell him not to talk about it? It's very confusing to me. I think it's a combination of things, like Ed said, but like even some of the response we got lately, some fans just aren't as excited about it as we thought they were, you know, especially with LMA being on there instead of a 90s artist, like, you know, they were looking for. Someone even said they wanted Monica on a record with him. I mean, but that's another argument for another day. Point being, it's it's just strange. And then an Usher stand today was thinking he could just pull up Beyonce and not even have to promote his own stuff and it would just blow up. So, Kyle, I don't oh. know what's going on. Huh. We really got to get well, over this fallacy that everybody is Beyonce and they can drop a secret album and go crazy. That's not uh, going to work. Ed, that is my point. Listen, I know we're all trying to be elusive in 2020 and we're trying to do as little interviews as possible. But I think there's a difference between being elusive and being lazy. 
and I think a lot of artists. And I would put Usher in that category right now. He's being lazy. The thing that makes Beyonce Beyonce is that even though she doesn't do interviews, you still know that her project is out. People are talking about it. And whether it's a photo that she posts on Instagram or something crazy that she does with these visual albums, like she's doing something. With this Usher record, it's gotten to the point where people are speculating whether this song is a buzz single. And Hmm. it may may very well be the case it is, but it doesn't make sense to me if it were because it has LMA on the feature. And no matter what you guys think about LMA being on the song, we all have agreed that this, at the very minimum, was a marketing strategy to get Usher back on the charts. Because if he wanted to get Monica, he could, but he got LMA, who's arguably the biggest name in R&B right now. And you're going to throw that to it being a buzz single? I don't know about that. But I think the biggest thing I'm concerned about right now is that there still is a disconnect between Usher and the fans. Yes, he's put out this Mm. great record, and I think some people are excited. But even when I look at the stream numbers, it's not that high. So clearly the fans may not even be convinced yet. Or heck, they might not even know the song is out. We know because we're big R&B fans, but remember Usher once upon a time sold 10 million records with Confessions. He has fans that go bigger than just R&B. He has pop fans. He has those EDM fans. And those people, they probably don't even know about this song yet. So I think there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. And I just fear. Yes. Kyle, Jermaine Dupri is promoting the song more than Usher himself. That should not be happening. That's true. I was going to make that point as well. But like, I just that fear should not because... Be no, it shouldn't. But I just fear because, like you said, Tom, his fans seem to think he's Beyonce and that he can just drop the album and everything will be fine. Well, guys, he did that <laughs> with the A Project and that went nowhere. He dropped a single and no one has talked about it since. So hmm. I don't think it's as easy as that. I think he needs to push this. And I honestly Ed. don't know what's to come next. Ed. This is the most fired up I've heard Kyle speak on this podcast in a long time. I I was about to say he was like <laughs> man going in. I love it though. He was heated, but I mean you can't blame him. His frustration is the same as every other long time Usher fan. You have been begging for a song like we got this for I don't know decade, a decade and a half. And then you get it, and you don't do nothing with it. So it does make you question his commitment to the project. Is there something going on behind the scenes? You're right. I hear more from the the producers of the song than actual Usher himself. And you got to remember what 2020 is all about. It's about self-promotion. If you got a song, you got to be the one on Twitter pushing it. You got to be the one on Instagram with the clips. You got to be the one trying to get some, some don't waste my time hashtag challenge going on like that's yep. the stuff that you get to promote your music these days brother ain't doing nothing and i understand that he's probably not running his social media account i get paid from people to run their social media accounts so i understand how that works but whoever supposed to be doing is off their job fire them and hire me because they ain't doing mm. it. <laughs> so tom i need you to go check if lma has tweeted more about the song than usher has i'm willing to bet she has but um, Usher is set to perform at the Grammys. I think he's part of the Prince tribute that's going on. Maybe he'll mention his single there. <sighs> I doubt it. Um, at least don't hold your breath. Was, <clears throat> at least LMA show, show, uh, you know, showed excitement about the song. She was showed, you know, it was an honor to collaborate with Usher, which I thought was cool. It showed something to me about her. Usher, I mean, just acted so unfazed, like, oh, I just put another song out. Check it out. Like that was it. I mean, no excitement. I don't like it. So, there's that, Usher. Confessions 2, set to come out later this year. I'm still calling it the greatest comeback since the Emancipation of Mimi. My confidence is unwavered. We will be back, guys. (laughs) We will be back. (laughs) But I'll tell you what. Alicia Keys, who just announced her new album, Alicia. Tom, when is that set to come out? I believe March. Um, I'll double-check that in the meantime, but I thought I saw March. Okay, well, she also announced her world tour, Europe, Canada, U.S., a lot of dates on there, Um, and what's interesting is, because I actually uh, got tickets to that show, 
you actually get a copy of her album once you buy tickets. So it'll definitely boost her album sales mm. a little bit. But smart, Tom, smart. you and I were talking about this. The venues that she's doing, she's not doing big arenas. She's doing theater size <clears> venues. <throat> Do you guys think that is indicative of the state of her career? Or is she even expected to do arenas at this point? I mean, it's Uh, 2020. I don't expect her to do arenas at this point. The thing is, um, I'm not sure if you've seen her live yet. When I saw her live about, I don't know, five, six years ago, playing in the theater, which is about 3,000, 2,500, 3,000 seats, she sat at the piano for the majority of the show. I'm not even sure, Mm -hmm. you know... With that type of energy, you could work an arena like that. Like it, it just wouldn't be the right feel for that type of show. Um, obviously, she's one of the bigger names we have in R and B. I mean, she's definitely transitioned to pop more, but I think she's been doing that size venue for a while now. That's where she's comfortable being. Um, she could probably easily sell without. She doesn't really need a supporting artist to help her with sales. So um, I don't think she's on. She, you know, her. Her fan base is wavering. You know, she's got hits for days. I mean, that's always going to be the case. So I think she's in a fine spot. I mean, it's a good point about her performances as well. I saw her, man, it was early on. It was like maybe 2002. And like the only thing that she kind of did, the only time she got up from behind behind the piano was to do the little dance routine to Girlfriend. Other than that, she Uh was behind that piano. And that's going to be more intimate setting for a theater. So... It makes sense, but again, it's 2020. I don't expect her to be doing Super Bowl concert numbers, so it'll work for what it is. Well, here's what's interesting. I'm looking at the charts right now, and Tom, we never got a chance to talk about it with you, but do you like her new song, the Ed Sheeran record, Perfect? Mm, It's not for me. It's just not for me, guys. So I'm looking at the charts right now and Mm -hmm. it's first week on pop radio it actually did pretty well but then on the eighth day so the following week it just like dropped and died so i think a little bit of paola was involved but the song doesn't seem to be connecting anymore you know what's interesting i like to see the our our readers reaction to this type of thing and um when we announced the album that was coming out in march you know some of them said oh i hope the song with miguel is on there but they could keep the other two songs she put out i mean it was kind of crazy to see that type of reaction. I mean, people just don't seem to like it as much. They don't. But again, if you're going for, you know, top 40 pop stuff, strategically, I can see why they would. Because to Tom's point, the reason why I'm not a fan of the song is because it's a Ed Sheeran song. And I don't hate Ed Sheeran like everyone else does. I actually like some of his stuff. But it's if I want to hear Ed Sheeran, I'll listen to Ed Sheeran. I don't want to hear... Alicia karaoke and Ed Sheeran. And I think the strategy was to get on Pop Radar by doing his thing. And it may have worked, whether it's payola or just out of interest initially. But then it's like, this don't sound like an Alicia Keys song. So it mm. sounds like a stone. Yep. That's that, guys. But can we get into the soul back track of the day really quickly? Yes, uplift the mood because I'm in a mood right now. Yeah, I hope it's something from Ashanti's Chapter 2 album, Kyle. (laughs) (laughs) Calm down. I think Ed's blood will boil if we do that. So we'll have to get into something else here. And maybe because of that, because you guys were being slick with it, we'll go with a Soulback album of the day. Can we do that? Yeah. All right. Ed, you'll really enjoy this one. Can we go with the Casey and JoJo debut album? With all my life on it. The Casey and JoJo debut album. I have not heard that one in a minute. <laughs> That's the most random album I've heard in a long time. Yes, I was kind of like, you guys, okay. Yo, if you guys look at the numbers for that album, that album sold well. No, that album was huge. It was a huge album. And it's not a bad album at all. Like, I think... I've ranked their albums, or Casey and JoJo and Jodeci and everybody's, over on Soul and Stereo a while back. I can't remember where this landed. It was near the top. It was a very, very big record for 97. I think that was 97, 96, 97. Yeah. Wait, like let that. me ask you a question, though. I'm looking at the um, the Wikipedia page for this album. The first two singles, You Bring Me Up and Last Night's Letter. I don't remember those songs being hits. 
I remember last. Well, that's just because. That's because all my life was just so mega gigantic, inescapable. But no, they. I mean, at least last night's letter did all right. I clearly remember that one. Yeah, all my life was the third single. Interestingly enough, isn't it interesting how you can't always identify what's going to be a huge hit just off the bat? It just sometimes just takes off. Yes, and that's why I missed the days of having multiple singles because you never knew which one would be the hit. So many times mm. these days, you get like one song and then up, oh, didn't pop, forget you. And there you have it. And I wanted to bring up that album Kyle. because JoJo's dropping his new single on Valentine's Kyle. Day, so we can get ready for that. I've been waiting for Kyle. You know JoJo announced a single like over six months ago, right? He had to he had to refine it and finish it and make it sound good. I don't. And we're ready. <laughs> There's no oh excuse. My God. I've been waiting on this single special for over six months now, Kyle. Are you expecting greatness? <laughs> Next topic, please. All right. <laughs> oh my god! I still the want to hear the song. Guys, all right. I, I'm not mad at you. We're just kind of like, yep. Don't get your hopes up. <laughs> <laughs> but yo, I'm looking at um, their Wikipedia. Their first album went three times platinum, and their two albums after that were platinum each. So. Casey and JoJo, guys, do your homework. They did actually have a lot of success as a duo. We tend to forget that because we're so in, we're so enamored by that whole Jodeci movement. But man, shout out mm. to Casey and JoJo, and I look forward to JoJo's no. single release. Ed, man, you'll you'll agree with me on this one, but they were their own worst enemy. No question. I mean, you got to remember that not only coming off of that Jodeci run where they like huge, but then the Casey and JoJo run. Extended their careers by at least another half a decade. There's no reason why they couldn't be, and I'm not saying they need to be putting out stuff on the level of 2000 era, but a lot of those wounds are self-inflicted, as Tom just said. Man, the guys so. I really miss Joe to see, though. I made this mention on social media. That would be such a huge, you know, addition to R&B if we could just get another Joe to see tour somehow or some way. You know, like all these legends do tours, perform the hits for the fans. We need that from Jodeci, guys. Mm. Why are you? Why are you sighing? This is Jodeci, I'm one of the s- biggest groups from the nineties. No, I'm not. I'm. I'm with you. I want it to happen, but the reality of it is: Do we really want it to happen? Tom, listen. Yes, in my brain, it looks like 1996, and they're dancing on the Get On Up, and they're on that bus, and the black and white video, and it's great. (laughs) But in 2020, is he going to be riding giant bodyguards eating chicken the whole concert? (laughs) What is going to happen? That's where I'm stuck. But that doesn't matter. Kyle, people would pay money just to see those four members on stage together, no matter what they're doing. They don't even have to sing. They could just be riding around bodyguards together. Picking up chicken wings from the what? audience. People would pay money for that. See, the, Tom, this is how I know you have not paid attention to Jodeci over the last 20 years. There's that incident. But, guys, do you remember when JoJo, like, randomly collapsed on stage during a Casey and JoJo performance? <laughs> yes. Do you remember that? And, and didn't Casey, like, leave him on stage while he was laid out? <laughs> yes, I remember this. No, no. And then guys. there was another one, Tom. There was another one where... They were performing in the UK, and Mr. Dalvin did a stage dive, but he didn't realize how high up the stage was, and he fell on his butt, and he hurt himself. See, so, here's the problem, Kyle. You, you, see, Kyle, you don't have vision, because this is 2020. Stuff like that potentially happening at a show would sell tickets. I mean, that, that type of drama, you can't just get anywhere else. You would pay uh, money well, to see I don't know if people would pay for it, but they would certainly circulate the video of someone reporting <laughs> it. <laughs> so, guys, let's get into another Soulback album of the day. Are you guys ready? Yeah. All right. Can we go with the Boys to Men album, Evolution? Because, oh, I mean, Tom, we always I talk about the Voodoo album. You talk about the Voodoo album being like a polarizing album with different opinions. I find that this is the case as well. There's a lot of diehard R&B fans that measure this one 
up to like the first two, and some say that this was like a huge disappointment because it couldn't compare. Where do you guys kind of look at this one? That's a good point, actually. You know, everyone knows the two album. It was over 10 times platinum. Evolution, I'm just looking here, it went two times platinum. Obviously, it was the number one album, but not nearly as successful. You don't hear this album get talked about nearly as much. And, Ed, I mean, there's some great songs on here, but I think, you know, I agreed with some of the reaction we saw, you know, from our readers. It was it was uneven a bit. I disagree. I love that album. Mm. I thought it's one of their stronger ones as far as, of course, it's no two and it's no debut. I've ranked their albums. Go check out Soul and Stereo. I've ranked them a while back, and I know I had that near the top of the list. It wasn't one or two, of course. But um, I thought that it was plush with album cuts. The single, you know, that's the one that had the mama song. I never want to hear that song ever again. But I thought it was a it was definitely a progression in sound, but I thought it worked. To me, it was their last great album. After that, they get kind of hit and miss. But I don't I get where again why it's a little contentious because it doesn't sound like the first two, but I'm a fan of it. Kyle, Kyle, we got to bring this point up though. They started the album with doing just fine. I mean, it was all over from then on. Yeah, you can't start out an album I mean, with that was, song. No, <laughs> you're too, too sad. Come on, <laughs> you're already dying. But like it was also their best. <laughs> I know. But also, you can't put your best one up at front. That's like the best song on the joint. And it was all downhill from there. No, no, this is the one that had "Can You Stand the Rain" on it too. Man, play it. this album has some joints. I'm gonna go listen to this. I, no, I know, but it's just too set. I can't even barely listen to that song. So if you want me to barely listen to a song that's the first song on the album, how the heck am I even gonna listen to the album in this day and age? It is weird that that was the first song. Like that's I, I don't know what's up with the sequencing there. Like that's very strange. Yeah. That's one you tack on near the end. Yep. So, that's that. Well, guys, I think that's it for this week. I know we got the Grammys coming up, so we want to definitely get ready for that. Or, I don't know who's going to watch that, Ed. But, um... What's going <laughs> on with Soul History? Actually, I, can't even, I, can't, I can't even watch them this year. I don't know who is now that all the scandal came out that they're around there raping folks and taking payola allegedly oh. on all those things but <laughs> whatever unfortunately i'm gonna miss it this year i'm gonna be out so hope y'all have well by the time this airs i'm sure it will already have popped and people on twitter are screaming at each other about so-and-so got snubbed but <laughs> that's how it moves on social media and that's that tom what's going on with you know i got soul.com uh not too much you just posted your k michelle interview recently that was a really good one. She always keeps it real with us and always recognizes our support of her from pretty much day one when she signed with the label. It was really interesting to hear, though, her perspective now that she left. Um, what did you think of that, you know, that she's now independent? Yeah, it was super dope. She has a country album coming out soon, too. So this might be like the last R&B album for K. Michelle, but we'll talk about that next for week her. when Ed puts out his review. So we'll see. Yep. But, guys, I think that's it for this week's podcast. Thank you all for tuning in, and we'll be back next week. Peace. Peace. We out.